We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University I'm not supposed of to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. We're back. Welcome, Hornets fans. Game three of the 2022 Summer League just finished between the Hornets and the Cavs. This is Richie, and we are glad that you guys are joining us today for this post-game recap episode. I'm joined by Brian, and we're both here to break the game down. Before we get into this, I want everyone who is listening to consider signing up for BuzzBeat+. Plus. We are so thankful for those that have already done so. So basically for $35 a year, that's less than $3 a month. You get ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, and the occasional exclusive episode that is only available to those that have a private feed. And at the very least, uh, just go ahead and enter your email to get the notifications. Uh, And so right when the BuzzBeat Plus episodes drop, they will be directly sent to your inbox. And if you want further information, that link will be in the description or the episode notes if you want to look into it a little bit further. So, Brian, how's it going? I guess this game, out of any of the uh, games that we've watched so far, has definitely been the most exciting, most pleasing to the eyes. I mean, there were still the turnovers and stuff like that, but uh, the three-point shooting just plus the, uh, you know, the win obviously does a whole lot of good for this Hornets team. Yeah, I mean, I think in a, in, a, in a bunch of different ways, this was uh, hands down the best game we've seen at Summer League uh, in terms of you know offensive efficiency for the Hornets, three-point shooting, uh, the young guys that popped, uh, the, game, the time of play. Like you and I were talking before we hit record, like this game just flew by. It was like a 90-minute game, basically, which is, uh, is nice for, you know, for Summer League. But um, so yeah, I just thought all like start to finish, this just checked a bunch of boxes for the uh, the Hornets. So interesting game, and I think some enjoyable stuff uh, to dive into because I think the vibe should be at least for the time being pretty good after tonight. All right, let's jump into this. The final score was Charlotte ninety one, Cleveland eighty. Hornets are now two and one in summer league with two more games to go. I was hoping for a win because every time we do one of these post-game pods, it just feels like they lose. We did not do one after the uh, the second game when they won. Let's actually start with Mark Williams. He got the start here in Summer League today. And we actually both hinted at this after game one, that it would make sense for Charlotte to give him the starting nod, to give us a better look at him, to give us maybe an extended look at him. I think overall through these three games, I think he's making a bigger impact on the court than maybe the box score might show. And I think that, um, you know, maybe outside of this game, there was some underwhelming highlights for him in those first two games, but I think he'll do just fine. If you're looking for flashy stuff out of him right now, you probably aren't going to get a ton of that, but what he is doing is deterring shots at the rim. Uh, He got an early block in this game against the Cavs. I think he had two or three in total. He sets the tone back there. And in general, like opponents 
are driving and second guessing themselves if they're going to shoot, if they're going to pass. Some have even traveled on their way down to the block or made a bad pass or had to make like a looping pass. And it just kind of slows things down with his size back there. Even if it doesn't always end up in a block, he's impacting the play in more ways than you would think. And then switching it over to the offensive end, you know, he's not necessarily been like totally impactful, but that was to be expected. I think when you put shooters around him like they did in this game, um, it just looks better. Like he's not he's not necessarily finishing at the rim as efficiently as you want through these three games, but I think he's setting good screens. I think he's drawing fouls. I think he's uh, you know crashing the offensive glass. And this leads me to my first question I received from Div, and would love your thoughts on this. Div says this: Marks seemed uh, a little less than explosive than he was expecting. Would love to hear what you guys think about that and just my quick reaction to this Brian like he doesn't he doesn't have a good pick and roll partnership at least not in the summer league level that's going to put pressure on the defense and because of that he's catching a lot of these passes at a standstill and so when the defense is set he's not getting much of a runway so you know he's not he's not an explosive player per se like Duran but he's got some tools he's got the reach I just think the spacing and the offensive game plan has been hampering him to kind of have these highlight plays and the vertical spacing. Although he looked a little bit more bouncy in today's game though, Brian. Yeah. 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 Just, just real quickly would say like, I think we predicted this after the first game that Williams would start at some point in Vegas. And, um, and I just thought the rotations in general were, were really nice tonight from the, the Hornets coaching staff. Um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this more as we sort of like, peel the focus back from uh, off of Williams into talking about some of the other players for Charlotte. But I just thought the spacing was better for Williams uh, to screen and roll and, and dive into, to be in the dunker spot, to cut and finish along the baseline. He got a couple of lobs and put back finishes. You know, I think of Williams as it's interesting because I think of him as like being pretty explosive, but it's not, it's not just like the, the incredible, like quick nimble, uh, vertical leap, right? I mean, that's like, he's not Evan Mobley, you know what I mean? In terms of just the ability just in an instant is, you know, several feet in the air. Um, there's maybe a little bit more of a load for Williams, but like part of what makes him so, to, you know, can do so much damage around the basket of both sides is, is the length, right? And so like, it's a combination of the fact that for a guy that size, he moves pretty well. And he has just length that is sort of without, you know, kind of without precedent. So he doesn't have to leap as much, right? Like he's got that wing and the standing reach. So exactly, exactly. But, but I do think like, I, you know, I don't think he's in no way, shape or form. Is he like lumbering or anything like that? The times that I wish he was playing a little bit more uh, quickly are (laughs) these, I mean, these are possessions that I don't think will exist in the regular season, but like, this is like the third, yeah, all three summer league games, they've had like, you know, four or five possessions where they just like throw the ball to him in the post. And yeah. it's like catch, dribble, think about backing down. And, and it's just like all of a sudden five seconds are gone and he's either got to force something up or try to draw a foul or he runs into a turnover or he, you know, it's, he throws a grenade out to a teammate. It's like those are the possessions where I think the processing doesn't look very good, where it's like, okay, this is happening too slowly, but that's not his strength. And I mean, like I actually went back because even over the uh, last couple of days, like after the first or second summer league game with Williams, where I was like, God, why are they throwing the ball to him like this in the post? Like, this is just like, these are just pointless possessions. And I went back and I pulled up uh, my clips that I have from Williams uh, this past season. And it's like, it is like he scored out of the post some, not much. Like it's again, it's not a strength of his, but the post-ups that he did, that he was able to like be successful on, they're very quick. Like it's a quick seal and he gets really wide. Like, you know I mean? He uses that, the reach and the wingspan to get wide. And then he goes very, very quickly. Like it's a quick catch, turn, finish, boom. And then if he misses it, like he should be able to play over the top, right? And second jump and and try to even maybe even put back in his own shot. Um, It's these post-ups that he's getting in summer league. There's just like, again, you're just putting him in an awful spot. And really just like lighting possessions on fire when you're like, yeah, let's like throw it into the big fella and like see like like let him go to work with you know with his back to the basket. It's just like not his game. Yeah, he's gotta have a mismatch or he's gotta be very deep in the post. Yeah. 
Exactly. But there was even, I mean, there was a possession uh, late in this game where, I mean, Cleveland was switching a lot in this game and they switched the small on to him. And like, he can't, I mean, again, he can like, it's going to be, it's not going to be like an auto bucket when he gets that kind of mismatch in the post. Like it can, if he can get very deep and in, in, in like seal and, and catch and go up quickly. But like, that is something that like, I mean, I was saying this about Williams before going into the draft. Like I do, I, I will be curious to see as his career develops, like, is this a guy that you can switch off the floor uh, in terms of what he's able to do offensively? But I want to stick to the positives with Williams because like you touched on it with his work around the glass. Like, I think he's been very aggressive uh, trying to, in, I mean, I don't even think his rebounding stats are capturing kind of the impact he's mm-hmm. having there. And on a per minute basis, he has been a very productive rebounder across these three games in Vegas had eight tonight, two offensive, but like, I just don't, I think there's a couple that, you know, one or two per game that he's just not getting credit for because like he's getting in there and he's fighting for it, but it's deflecting out and, you know, Brady Manic sliding over and grabbing it or something like that. So I think rebounding wise, he's been solid. He needs to get stronger, certainly. And that will help him a lot because I do feel like, you know, part of it is like he's he's able to try to access these rebounds that are seemingly out of his radius because of uh because of the wingspan. But it does feel like he just gets like knocked in the air a lot, you know, like uh, guys on un- guys under like unintentionally are, you know, undercutting him or whatever. Um, and it just again, the stronger he gets sort of the I don't know, the more like, you know, caroms rebounds, whatever he's going to be able to get to. Uh, simply because of like the length's not going anywhere. Like he's, you know, he's got the thing that you can't teach or build on, but he certainly can, uh, can get stronger. And I do think the movement and the processing in terms of the pick and roll has looked defense has looked pretty good. Um, I think he's done a nice job playing at a couple of different depths, like in a deeper drop, playing closer to the level. Um, in in Richie, you and I have talked about this. You tweeted about this. I think that's also where the Mark Williams effect can come into come into play. And certainly the hope would be that he develops into that where you can play him, you know, you can drop him and then bring him up in the pick and roll, or you can have him be at the level and then drop. And he can kind of be in two places at one time, right? Where he's playing that middle ground game where he's going to chat like the, the guy, the, the ball handler with the ball is going to be worried about shooting a fluid floater or a runner over the top, but they're also going to be worried about throwing the lob, you know, or, or trying to squeeze in a pass, uh, to the role, man. I think Williams so far in Vegas, his hands have been really active uh, in pick and roll coverage as a defender, and he's gotten some steals and some deflections because of that. So, like, I, I, I think I think very highly of Williams. I regard him quite highly as as a prospect, primarily for the defense. And one of the other blocks he had t- tonight was well, the first one was like a help uh, block on Isaiah Mobley um, that I thought was some pretty nice one on one defense from JT Thor to sort of like you know, stall Mobley and then Williams came over and cleaned it up. And the second one was like a kind of like a late switch that he, that he pinned off the backboard that led to a, a transition run out, just like exactly what you want from Williams. I think he's done in, in that scenario. And I actually think he's done a pretty nice job of um, like switching when in, in Vegas, when the matchup has called for it or, you know, whether it's because it's, it's a, it's a four or five ball screen in, in terms of like the guys guarding it or because it's late in the clock or what have you. But just like when he's had to 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 go out there and, and it, look, he's not switching out onto Dame Lillard or Curry or Chris Paul or whatever, but like I think he's done a nice job uh, switching and in, in staying in front of guards. My really only complaint with the defense is, is something that I, I talked about with you on the last pod, Richie, which is just he has a tendency to overextend, to overhelp, to leave his feet, and and leave the rim exposed for drop off passes for laydowns for putbacks like all of that stuff which is something that despite his dominance as a rim protector at duke was something that was a was a bit of a hindrance for him uh there as well so i just think it's like some of that is i think some of that is going to be just like watching film and having a better yeah. understanding of guys tendencies i think some of that is going to be just more reps and improving his own individual timing i think some of that is going to be steve clifford you know, helping to mold him and saying like, Hey, we, we like, we want you back here and we want you to be a deterrent and to block every shot. But like, we, you know, we don't, we also don't need you to do that. And in fact, like it's hurting us when you do it in this, this, in this scenario. So 
that's the one thing with Williams that I that I think has been like a, a little shaky, but I'm not surprised by that. Richie, what is you, what have you thought about Williams guarding ball screens as like the screen defender? Um, and maybe just you know any other sort of like Will, loose Mark Williams thoughts after tonight? Yeah, I think generally speaking, uh, he's probably most comfortable in a drop, um, not coming up to the level, but. To your point, he has had a little bit of versatility in terms of where he is guarding uh, that pick and roll ball handler. And it kind of puts that ball handler in a space where they're conflicted. Do we, you know, do you try to drive uh, and, and try to drive around Mark Williams? If he's given space, do we pull up for mid range? Yeah, I haven't seen enough of him at Duke versus now to kind of make the comparison between the two, but just kind of looking overall like at his body type, like I would expect him to be more of like a drop guy. But if he can just eat up space, like that, that's all I really care. Um, I'm not expecting him to be this like switch type of guy at the five position, but you know, overall having a positive impact as a deterrent on the defensive side. Yeah. yeah. I just think like like I think it's very easy for us when we think about his reach. And uh, the standing reach in the wingspan, it's very easy to think about what that means in terms of like blocking shots at the rim or collecting rebounds. But it's I really this is something that I can't remember if we've talked about this or not. Maybe we've hinted at it a little bit, but just his ability like as a guy that, yes, certainly not going to be someone that you play like right at the level often. You know, he's no. going to be kind of in the in the drop. But again, I think with some flexibility inside of that, but that reaches the ability to sort of like if he can stay down, stay on his feet, he can basically say, he can just threaten the ball handler who's maybe looking to shoot a pull-up, to shoot a runner. Like, he can just kind of be uh, in two places at one time. Like, Bam Adebayo, who, I mean, uh, let's not draw a line from Mark Williams to Bam because they're different players and because, like, Bam might be just, like, the best defender uh, in the world. I know we've raved about his defense on this pod many times before, Bam is so good when Miami is not using him to switch or trap, but when they're using him kind of in that like half drop role where he's mm-hmm. he's at he, like he's he's dropping, but then he's at the level like when the ball handler tries to turn the corner, he's there, he's there, and he's able to use his wingspan and his athleticism to sort of like deter any sort of like mid range attempt, but also like he, at the, the entire time he's doing that, he's take he's deterring lobs and he's making sure there's just no obvious pass. Now that requires some trust from help defenders on the backside, but, um, but just Williams, his length. Um, and again, the, the more he becomes stronger and uh, more comfortable laterally, then I don't know, like there's just some really cool stuff he should be able to do in terms of pick and roll defense. And I think some of the stuff we've seen from summer league uh, has been uh, pretty encouraging. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, one more thing I want to note about Mark Williams before we get to Kai Jones, because I definitely want to talk about Kai Jones here. There was an underrated play that I saw from Mark Williams in the second quarter, and it kind of goes to highlighting your point about just being an active player on the glass. It was midway through the second quarter. It was off a crutch or miss. He basically took the rebound out of the hands of the Cavs player, and he like spins inside to the paint midair to make this layup. Like overall, it was a pretty like unexciting play, but for a player that struggled at the rim for the first two games, it was good to see him get that going for him. But overall, it just kind of showed that type of fight that he has on the on the glass on both ends. You know, offensively, that was the play that took place there, but defensively, you're seeing it as well. But let's get to Kai Jones. We uh, finally saw him get some minutes at the five for the first time in Vegas. Uh, with Mark Williams getting the start, he was shifted to the bench. At the four in those first two games for Kai, like he can't, he can't really get involved as much. Like he can set screens to an extent, but like, what do you do with Mark Williams and Nick Richards if, if you know, if he's playing beside? Like, like you can't put them in the corner. They're not going to space. They're not going to do anything there. Now, you know, he played exclusively at the center against the Cavs today. You know, I, I still think that they're using Kai and even Mark to a certain extent on the sidelines at the high post at the elbow a little bit too frequently. I, w- I wish they were kind of in the middle a little bit more. It's almost like they're receiving the pass a little bit too far from the hoop. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kai Jones, to me, this was his best game. And I think it has a lot to do with the position that he played with the uh, lineup configurations with the players around him. He, you know, he was a little bit more selective and trying to turn the corner and get to the hoop, but that's where he's at his best, like being aggressive and getting his shots at the rim. Like he's a, he's a pogo stick, right? Like he can Mm -hmm. get to the rim and if he can get there without turning the ball over in a controlled manner, that's when his athleticism just takes over. And I think the offense for Charlotte and all three of these games in my eyes has been less than appealing, but in today's game against Cleveland, it was just better because you had Manic, you had Leangelo, and then all, obviously you're using Kai as a five and not alongside Richards or Mark Williams. So would it be awesome for Kai to develop an outside shot? Yeah, I mean, but at this point in his development, I think five is the way to go. And I think through the first three games, you saw the the difference in today's game against the Cavs versus the first two games. So very impressed with, with Kai's like pogo stick getting up off the floor. Um, you know, he does have a face-up game, but I, I still get a little bit weary when he drives the ball, but somehow he manages to make it all the way to the hoop. Yeah, I think just to start off, and from right where you left off there, Richie is like, I just thought the functional athleticism and strength was on display for Kai. Uh, the first finish he had tonight, where he, you know, faked the handoff, catch off the elbow catch, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and quickly get downhill, and, and not just turning the corner and using his foot speed to beat an opposing five, but, but able to put his shoulder down and create some separation at the, right at the front of the rim. And like once you do that, like if he's able to when he creates space in, you know, in the restricted area, like it's over. You know what I mean? Like he's just he's in an instant. He's going to be uh, at the above the rim and, and you know, ripping it down uh, another half second later. So again, there are moments with him. We even we, you know, we talked about this even after some of his frustrating performances where he just has these flashes. He had that one. I think you clipped it. The like grab and go finish he had in the I guess the Indiana game to start yeah. things off like late in the game. Um, he just does some special stuff for a guy his size uh, offensively. And I do think as well, I thought he did some nice stuff. Like, it, you know, rare are we going to like, you know, point out Kai Jones and really like praise the defense or whatever. And he definitely had some breakdowns tonight, including this one uh, like uh, Cleveland ran a pin down for uh, O'Shea Abaji and he just like leapt out like he was switching on it, but like hadn't communicated that. 
And so the screener ended up slipping and got a, what should have been an open look at the rim. But JT Thor did a really nice job rotating over and blocking that shot. It's like, what is Kai doing here? But I thought there were some other possessions where he did a nice job switching out. He did a nice job showing early help on uh, Abaji's, you know, pin down or DHO catches. But like this is this is the tough thing with Kai is that offensively he's really he can be really dynamic if you play him as your de facto five, right? So the, there's four guys around him, and even though he wants to like pop and play in space and and show off the handle at times, like technically like he's your your four round one guy, even if you're accessing some like you know some five out looks or whatever. It's just like how. It, like because of the defense, it just brings into all these questions of like fit and scalability. And with with Kai, um, can you build a like competent uh, defense with him right now against NBA competition? Probably not. That's why you want to see if you can get you know have minutes with him playing at at the four um, and being a, a you know being the low man. I think he also had some like really nice. Uh, you know, help instinct blocks at the rim tonight where he rotated over and was able to shut down a, a, a you know, what should have been a, a clean look at the rim. So again, he, he has those flashes. It's just consistent consistency. You know, can he be there? He struggles in chase defense. We saw that in the Lakers game. You know, he got lost a couple of times when Cole Swider ran off down screens or off pin downs. So like, it's just it's hard to find a spot for him defensively at the moment, even though he does sort of like leave you wanting to see more of it because the flashes on offense or in, in in transition can be can be pretty tantalizing. And also, if you're able to play Kai in that that de facto you know nominal five man role, then you can access something that you and I have spoken about before, Richie, which is like Kai. Hit, like the 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 optimized version of Kai is someone that threatens as a screener, hopefully with Lamelo Ball, as a guy that can do everything off the screen, right? Maybe not, maybe not like pass and, and play make really well, but as far as like attacking and shooting, should be able should be able to do a lot, right? Can 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 dive and be a lob threat at the rim, can pick and pop and shoot threes, and can pick and pop and then use that if there's a hard closeout, can attack the closeout get downhill or can try to get to a, you know, dribble to his left and get to a, you know, second side DHO or whatever. And that's just hard to do to your initial point. If Mason Plumley or Mark Williams or Nick Richards are on the court in the dunker mm-hmm. spot, right? Like the spacing is just not there. So I don't know. I thought the spacing was way, way, way better tonight. And it's probably not a surprise that, that Kai was able to take advantage of that a little bit. I do think specific to this game, Cleveland kind of did Charlotte some favors by just like all of the like random double teams they were throwing at Charlotte that the Hornets had just like no problem, like one to two passing it and getting a good shot. Like, I don't think there's it's like much of a surprise why the Hornets shot like almost 40 percent on threes or had some good looks at the rim. Like they were just walking moonwalking into advantage because uh, of Cleveland's uh, whatever Cleveland was trying to do <laughs> defensively tonight. What I will say is. Like I'm with you on some of the like uh, inconsistencies Kai has offensively. If you're using him in the the corner role, like the low usage cutter spot up role, which is something that we've talked about that Cody Martin has found success doing, that Jalen McDaniels has found success doing. That even when he was playing with the big boys last season, I thought JT Thor did a pretty nice job playing out of the corner, right? Being a cutter, being an offensive rebounder, and it's like. That's the stuff that Kai may need to get better at if he's going to like get on the court and like me if the I mean let's see if the Hornets are playing meaningful minutes this season I guess <laughs> but but if if they are and he's to be a part of that then I think he's going to have to show a little bit of versatility and become a little bit better at at handling that stuff I just don't think we can just write it off yet because one of the ways he's utilized uh, would require him to be the be the be the essential the four man defensively and and play out of the corners as like a lower usage guy and look maybe that just doesn't work and it's just a deal breaker for for this season but that is one of those reasons it's like I just can't give up on it because that spot is available in the rotation you know yeah. um, especially with uh, the roster a little bit in flux at the moment 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he factors into that big man rotation. He played down in Greensboro uh, last year mostly uh, because he wanted playing time. And uh, he could have that opportunity again in Charlotte. And, uh, you know, the center position and the four or five position, I guess, if you want to call it, you know, is up for grabs in certain areas. And speaking of another big, Nick Richards, he did not uh, play today. But we do have a question about Nick Richards uh, from Ben at Updates on Ben on Twitter. Says, I see a lot of criticism about Nick Richards. I think he could be a backup center in the NBA, but apparently not many others can see that. I think he's developing into an above average rim protector and a rebounder at his position. My question, what are your thoughts on Nick Richards and the slander that he is getting? So I'm not exactly sure what has been said or what the criticism is on social media, but I can probably assume it might be a little bit over critical. Uh, I, I don't think Richards has been as bad as maybe this question might be implying, he's a guy that you know what you're getting. And we talked about that after game one. Like, you just know what you're getting out of this guy. And we've seen some of the same stuff here in Vegas that we've seen throughout the course of his career. Like, the biggest positives that I see from Nick Richards are this. Like, he crashes the offensive boards. He's an above-average rim defender, like Ben says. The biggest negatives that I see from him over the years and also in summer league is like the lack of playmaking and his inability to kind of catch and hold on to the basketball. But overall, he feels more comfortable in his role. And to Ben's point, he probably hasn't been as bad as some have been making him out to be. Um, he's just not an exciting player. And I think that probably plays against him when things go wrong with Nick Richards. So those are kind of my thoughts on Nick Richards. You, you, you just know what you're getting out of this guy, Brian. Yeah, uh, Richie, honestly, like couldn't agree I, I don't want to echo everything you said, but I but I really do agree with it. Um, if Lee were here, I know he would be <laughs> ready to sing the praises uh, of Nick Richards. So there there are there are some people on uh, on this pod, some of the hosts that are, that will uh, make shirts. So maybe next time the Lee's on, we can have him uh, go and get into his bag with Nick Richards. But yeah, for me, it's just like like you said, he kind of is what he is. I don't think. Like, I think he has the ability to be like a number three center on a team. Um, you know, maybe maybe he could be a, a full time backup. That's maybe a little bit uh, too rich, rich for me at this moment. But I think he's absolutely a guy that could be a back end of the rotation guy because he just he's willing to like throw his he's he's big and he's willing to like throw his body in to contest shots or to go for rebounds. Um I don't always love the mobility in terms of pick and roll defense. Um, so I think he's a little rigid in terms of that. And then you also touched on just like the limitations offensively. Like he doesn't shoot. He doesn't play make. You can't like throw it to him in space in the pick and roll and expect him to like build off the advantage. Um, even in the Indiana game uh, to start out in Vegas, like he, I think it was the Indiana game, not LA, but like he caught, caught the ball in space and, you know, was just a little clumsy with it and traveled. Uh, so again, that's just like he's he's limited offensively, but I think given some of the rim protection, given his size, given just like the fact that it, it does seem like he likes to play basketball and he's willing to like uh, you know uh, absorb some contact, yeah, I think he can be a guy that that cracks you know NBA rosters for a while. I just don't see much upside out of it. I guess to your point about him being yeah. sort of a limited player, um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at with uh with Richards and just looking at this roster it's like there's there's three guys I'd rather see play you know there's probably there's maybe four guys there actually in fact there are four guys I'd rather see play center than Richards right like I'd rather have Mason Plumley uh PJ. Mark Williams PJ and Kai Jones you know <laughs> at least I mean this sort of depends on the matchup with Kai but I just think given his his upside I think I'd rather him take those reps as opposed to uh, Richards, although, you know, again, I don't, I don't want to like knock Richards too much. Cause I, cause I do think he's like a guy that can, that can be a depth piece. But beyond that, I just don't see a, a, a ton more. Well, we appreciate the question, Ben. I'm sure, I'm sure some of the people that were slandering Nick Richards might actually be vindicated after today's game when he didn't play and the Hornets looked the best. So, uh, not, not good for the case for Nick Richards today. So let's, I'm getting some thunder here, Brian. I'm, I'm hoping I don't lose power, but let's kind of same here, man. Yeah. Same here. I'm in Raleigh, and yeah, we've had thunder rolling through here the last like 10 to 15 minutes. So 
Fingers crossed, everybody. <laughs> Having said that, let's try to get through these last couple players a little bit quicker. And obviously, anyone here in Twitter spaces, if you guys have a speaker request, will gladly take them. Uh, this is a player that we've not talked about yet, and I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, if we did one after game two, I would have definitely talked about him, but it's LJ Figueroa. Like, he's been awesome down in Vegas for, for the role that he has. Like, you know, we definitely need to sing his praises a little bit more. He's had a couple of good on-ball possessions on defense where you can just see him making the other player work. I thought he did well today as a ball-denial defender in the corners. Obviously, Abaja got his points, but I don't think you can just look directly at the box score and say, hey, LJ didn't do his job. Um, if his man went baseline, like he slid, it felt very much like a high school like shell drill where you know he was denying the ball and he'd make sure he'd throw his hand up if his player went backdoor for that backdoor pass. He just seems like he's a magnet for finding the basketball. Seems like he's always around the ball on defense in terms of finding those off-ball steals. Uh, he definitely gets a lot of rebounds. Like I don't know how many rebounds he's averaging, but it's got to be like over six, I would think, in these three games. I wouldn't consider him a point guard by any means. Like he's definitely an off ball player, but I've seen him make some plays out of the pick and roll. It just seems like he's making the right play, even if it isn't always flashy. And up into this game, like his shooting was awesome. Like he came into this game, what, 13 of 13, I believe. Yeah. Uh, tonight, obviously not as great, but you know, that's that's not actually the thing that I that stood out to me. It was all the other stuff that I talked about. Like he's not he's not the quickest, he's not the most athletic, and you can tell he's probably had to overcome some of those things with just the feel for the game. And I definitely sense that he has a feel for the game. I ultimately don't think he makes the 15 man roster, but he very well could get a, a two-way contract, Brian. And I think he's definitely a player that's very easy to root for. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, uh, you know, with the injury to Scotty Lewis, who knows what's going to happen there, you know, maybe that, yeah, that would be unfortunate. It's, it's creating, yeah, you know, you don't like to think in those lines, but, but you know, maybe that that creates an opportunity. If, if the play of McGowan's has made Charlotte think, you know, more highly about even have elevating him uh, above to a status at some point. Um, you know, I'm sure hopefully we'll talk about McGowan's before we get out of here tonight. I think the biggest thing with Figueroa is like, can he shoot it? Because you mentioned uh, sort of like the activity level off ball defensively. I, I agree. Like, I mean, Abaji got him on a couple, you know, like mm -hmm. handoffs in this game, but he was far and away Charlotte's best chase defender against, uh, Abaji like better than better than McGowan's so yeah I just think the activity level has been solid especially in like various off-ball capacities um helping in the corner rotating chasing around screens chasing around handoffs so I think that's been solid for for Figueroa like I just again it's it's maybe like reductive to think about it in these terms but I do think it's sort of like this obvious it is like can he shoot it and he shot it pretty well in college at St. John's and at uh, at Oregon, but did not shoot it great last season in the G League. So I think that's sort of like the the thing. And again, some encouraging signs in a small sample out in uh, Vegas. But I would be thrilled for this guy who's and look. This is like not a glamorous path, you know what I mean? To go G League and grind on a on a summer contract and and try to earn your keep out in Vegas. But uh, whether it's Charlotte or another team that's seeing him on film. Um, again, hopefully he's making a case to to perhaps uh, get a call at, at some point for something more substantial than than just being like a, a G League guy. And I would be happy for him because um, I did actually get to see uh, a couple years ago when he was a freshman at St. John's. Uh, I got to cover uh, an LJ Figueroa game up close when uh, St. John's played at Duke that year against you know, Zion and Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett and Trey Jones. So, um, and he was like incredibly active and really like a, like a frisky, you know, offensive creator in that game. So someone guy like that, that's kind of been on my mind for a couple of years now and I've watched his career and I don't know, he's making a strong case uh, mm -hmm. for, for perhaps, uh, you know, cracking a, a 15 man roster or maybe getting a two way spot somewhere in the NBA uh, this season. All right, we're going to end on these last two players, unless you really want to talk about Leangelo or, or Brady Manick or Tyshawn. I don't really have much to talk about them, but I do want to talk about JT Thor and Bryce McGowan's, as you mentioned. Bryce McGowan's finished with a team high, 24 points, uh, very efficient from the field at 7 of 10. 
His pull-up shooting, you hinted at this, or you talked about this after game one, has been very nice and a pleasant surprise. Uh, you mentioned on the last podcast, but again, he had a lot of those pull-up threes and transition off the bounce. He's just so smooth with the ball in his hands. He had a nice baseline drive uh, midway through the second quarter where he had a like, double clutch in midair. Just tough finishes. And I think, even like I mentioned after game one, he, he is a guy that can go get his own shot, but he's not going to just over-dribble to over-dribble. And I think more Hornets fans are probably gravitating towards him just because he is flashy. Like, you know, Mark Williams obviously yeah. was the first-round pick, and he's not as flashy, and he's probably not as productive in these three games, but he's definitely a lot more flashier, uh, and that's why a lot of people are gravitating towards him. And then JT Thor, I'm just going to bunch him in here. You might have more than me uh, on him. Uh, I don't have much to note about JT other than what I mentioned in the last Twitter space is like he needs to find a corner three-point shot and get stronger on the basketball. Uh, I think he converted on a couple three-point shots or maybe just one tonight, but he still doesn't shine for me when it comes to his drives and finishing through traffic. I feel, I swear, the most common possession for JT Thor through these three games in Vegas has been a drive, get fouled, and miss one or two from the line. Like That, that just seems like a common occurrence for that guy. And I, I guess he did show some like flashes as a weak side protector, like you mentioned on a yep. previous play yep. earlier. Yep. And so that's good to see. Like he's got the length, but just not a lot of like eye opening possessions for JT Thor for me. So overall, like I think maybe this has probably been one of his better games, but kind of an I, I, I keep saying underwhelming for JT Thor, but I guess I don't know really what I expected out of him. Yeah, I, I do think I'll I'll just stick with Thor and then flip to McGowan's. I, I think with JT again, I think the defensive flashes as like a help defender have been have been pretty solid uh, out in Vegas. I thought they were good this season, uh, this past season when he got you know you know two hundred and fifty minutes or so with the with the, the Hornets this year. Like thought he did pretty well, including in some against like actual NBA competition. I thought JT did a nice job as a team defender this year. And I thought he had some good moments like guarding the ball along the perimeter. I think about the one game against Toronto. Um, it, Scotty Barnes scored on him one-on-one -on -one time. And so did Pascal Siakam, but he was like right there. They just like m overpowered him at the end of the play and, and scored. But, but I was like, Oh, I was like, wow. Okay. These are like, these are still good defensive possessions. This guy's just got to get stronger. Like there's some tools to work with. I don't think the chase defense has been good out in Vegas. I think the, the point of attack and like sort of, you know, net screen navigation has been um, not great in Vegas either. It is important to remember this guy is still very, very young. And when Charlotte drafted him a year ago, the the hope, you know, again, he was a he was a big development piece. Um, this is a guy that could have gone back to Auburn for a sophomore season, decided to come out. Man, it would have been incredible to have seen JT Thor and, and Jabari Smith play together. But uh, you know, I'm glad he. I'm obviously glad he's in the the Hornets development system because I do like him quite a bit as a prospect. As far as like the offense goes, I do think like I still buy the shot long term, and I think some of the flashes he's had as like a relocate relocating shooter, shooting over closeouts, like the game winner against uh, the Lakers uh, in double OT the other night. Um, and I've, I going back to his time at Auburn, I thought he does a nice job attacking closeouts though. I don't think he's done that well in Vegas. I thought his best drive tonight came like late in the game where I think Cleveland's defense was scrambled. He caught the ball in like the left wing and like drove and like little like Euro move got to got into the lane and got fouled. I thought that was the best thing he's had. I think he's looked better unsurprisingly when he catches against like tilted or slanted defenses. Right. And he's able to like try to get into mm -hmm. a gap and use his length. Um, I he think play more four tonight, right? Like I feel like he played yeah. three in the first two games. Yeah, exactly. So like better, better for him in that, in that capacity as well. Right. And, you know, getting to play with, with Williams, you know, you've got a guy that can, you know, that can maybe draw a little bit of attention when he rolls and, and Thor can play, you know, in space off the, off the, on the, you know, on the catch and go game on the backside of those uh, possessions. But some of like the, like, again, I was going through Thor clips from the first two games out in Vegas earlier today. And just like, obviously the like isolation dribbling stuff from a standstill has been bad. Like it just turnovers or get, you know, the defense commits a stupid foul and like bails him out. But like, that's just been bad. Like he just doesn't have that right now. I've been a little bit more disappointed when like he's had possessions where he's gifted some advantage because of a screening action and 
he either can't take advantage of that or in the process of trying to take advantage of that does something bad with the basketball. Like I highlighted two plays on Twitter earlier from the, from the Lakers game where like one is he comes off a handoff from Mark Williams and he has a, he has a, he has an open look at three. He doesn't take it. Um, the defender closes out Thor shot fakes. And so like Thor has a vulnerable defender, like a defender in the air lunging at him. And instead of going like North South with his left, with like his first step as he like, you know, sort of like swings through and looks to drive. He almost like go, like takes a step up along the arc, like almost away from the basket. Then he tries to get, downhill but it's too late like that little that little window cover has yeah. closed and the defender and then all of a sudden you know he doesn't have a right hand so when he shoots this while he's dribbling to his right he has to go back with his left hand and shoots a really bad tough contested floater there's been some other stuff where he's caught the ball in space coming off flare screens and that's resulted in uh you know him just driving right into just immediately driving into an opposing help defender in the lane for a charge and a turnover um long term I still really like Thor a lot as a prospect. I still buy the shot. I like the touch. I like some of the the movement skills, even if you're not really seeing any payoff for it yet. I like his ability to attack uh, closeouts, him to be able to get to the runner, and and just some like the tools he has defensively. I do think my hope would be because like it does seem like some of the ball skills have not developed a ton since last season. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that in the regular season we'll just get he'll be able to get back to the role that we saw him having some success with with the Hornets last year, which was being the fourth or fifth option, right? Playing out of the corner, cutting along the baseline, and hitting the offensive glass, and like looking to be a play finisher at the rim, and like yeah, tear the rim down when he's able to get a putback or a drop down or a cut, you know, dunk attempt. So my hope is that like when he gets back to that role, it looks a little bit better. But we'll see. Vegas has not been, at least in terms of the, the offense, has not been super encouraging. But I do think the context is not ideal for him. And I do think that's important to remember, especially for a young developing player, albeit one, a guy that's you know in, playing in his second summer league. Uh, as far as McGowan's goes, very impressive offensive game with him. Um, yeah. I talked about this on the last podcast, like... You see the three-point shooting at Nebraska, 27, 28%. I just think you can like throw that number out. I, I think it's almost it, it's almost meaningless um, to the extent that A, he took very, very like what the shot diet looked like at Nebraska, which was him taking difficult shots off movement, uh, deep spot up threes, and, and certainly like, you know, plenty of like self-created threes too. So I think that skewed that number a little bit, just like the degree of difficulty and what the shot selection looked like and if you want to like knock him for shot selection sure go for that but um like yeah sit through a handful of nebraska games and then get back to me on like what would have been better in some of those scenarios for him to do with the ball so like you know he has a night like this where he was hot shooting the the pull-up threes and that's great and maybe that gives you really something to to really dream on but i also just like some of the stuff that's a little bit more bankable with him tonight too. You touched on it. The, he had that really in the first half, mm-hmm. caught the ball against a rotating defense in the corner, uh, drove, you know, his ability to sort of like get baseline and then drive, and then get back to the rim because of his first step and his length, I think is very impressive. Um, and had that sort of like contortionist finished the little like, you know, clutch up and under move, which was nice. Had another nice catch and go uh, in the second half where like, he caught the ball on a run out. He had a really nice diagonal, like hit ahead pass to Figueroa, um, who like kind of like fumbled the catch, threw it back to McGowan's, who attacked the closeout, got downhill, and then Abaji fouled him at the rim. Like that stuff is great, and like that's the stuff that like if Bryce McGowan's is going to like really have an impact with the Hornets this season. I mean, yeah, it's awesome if he's going to hit hit step back threes. That would be super cool um but like i do think the stuff that is like more a little bit more bankable with him is the catch and go the rim pressure the rim finishes the foul creation and the passing flashes which is something richie that you and i spoke about after the first game you highlighted it on twitter i thought tonight he had some nice passes i just think his like uh his like feel has been pretty good as far as like moving without the ball, making the extra pass. I think he's done a nice job of that so far. I think he's had probably two or three like extra passes that resulted in open looks or guys being able to then uh, like attack off the dribble or whatever. I think he's done a nice job relocating without the basketball. So that's the stuff that I see offensively. And it's like, so this guy isn't just 
like, yeah, he's six, six and can pressure the rim, but like, he's got some game and some, and some flow and some, uh, and some feel to his game. And again, I mean, the passing numbers at Nebraska, they were, well, let me rephrase that the assist numbers at Nebraska were bad, but again, context, uh, is very important. And I think he's shown maybe not anything super, you know, manipulative and, and super, uh, special as far as like playmaking goes. But I think some of the diagonal passes, some of the skip passes had looked, have looked good. Um, I think he's tried to throw some tough passes and, and some of that stuff has resulted in turnovers, but I kind of like seeing him take chances as a passer. Like that's, that's like, that's encouraging too. But, um, so again, I think all of that stuff is very encouraging and just like the the pull-up shooting tonight like oh my word, man. I mean, it was just so so sick. The little like between the legs, you know, rhythm step back in in secondary action or semi-transition or in transition, he had a, a a pick and roll pull-up three over the top of a switch late in the game from from like the left wing that was pretty deep. That was nice too. So, um Look, I think something like that, the free throw percentage, the pull-up shooting, these are things that speak to skill. And if you're able to add that to a guy with his length who can also get stronger but can also pressure the rim, um, yeah, like the, the Hornets may have may have hit on something with the 40th pick in terms of finding a you know a, an offensive playmaker. We'll see because his role is obviously going to change, you know, um as as things move forward when they leave Vegas and um, if he's going to get reps with the Hornets next season, you know, um, they, they need other people that can make plays, but, but certainly like his, his role is going to look perhaps a, a little bit, a little bit differently, even if there are some, uh, some opportunities. Um, so anyways, McGowan's, he was awesome tonight, obviously sort of like the, the player of the game offensively, defensively, it's rough, got a lot of work to do there. Um, even if I did think he had some nice, like help rotations, uh, in this game he took, tried to take a charge had a nice contest at the rim. But um, focusing on offense, I think there's a lot of positives uh, to, to pull from with uh, Bryce McGowan's. Yeah, offensively, this this team as a whole just looked better tonight as the Hornets won by 11 points. Uh, unless we have any speaker requests, we're going to go ahead and sign off here. For those of you guys that join late, this will be turned into a buzz beat episode. As far as the next game, the fourth summer league game, there's a, there's a good chance we could do another one of these. Uh, if we do decide to hop on Twitter spaces following that Bulls game, it might be a like BuzzBeat Plus exclusive episode, so even more reason to show up live for this. So we're going to go ahead and get off here. For Brian, I am Richie. We thank you guys for joining us today. We appreciate all the support and keep sharing these episodes with your friends on, and on social media. And we are out. Go Hornets. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.